scripture to Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll start reading in verse 14 through the end of the chapter, that's verse 21. Uh, I want to just point out something structurally. Um, I, I hesitated to do it a little bit. When I was in college, I took a class in music appreciation. That's the kind of class you take in your senior year when you don't want to be there, but you've got to take something. So turned out to be a lot harder than that. But uh, one of the things you do in music appreciation is you analyze the structure, the sonata form, the ABBA form, you know, and all these other forms. And by the time you're, you're analyzing so much of the structural form of music, it's just not fun anymore. So, um, uh, so I hesitate to give you the structural analysis of the passage of Scripture we're about to read because I don't want you to feel that way. So promise me you won't, okay? Okay? Okay, if I have to beg, it doesn't count. Okay. But um, anyway, but what I want to point out is that not so much in the English text, but in the original Greek, uh, it divides naturally into three parts. And it is signaled by the word that. In the English text, I think there's four or five times that the word that occurs in our translation. But in the Greek, the word that occurs only three times. It's a word, uh, the word is henna. Uh, it's a word that means in order that, for the purpose of, with the result that, to the end that. It's a word that has a lot of, a lot of different kinds of meanings and, and uh, we analyze what those are and so forth. But the big point I want you to get is this prayer that we're going to read comes in three parts. And in the first part, Paul says... I'm praying for you that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you. Then the second part, he says, I'm praying that you would be filled with the love of Christ and just know the full dimensionality of who he is. And the third that uh, is that you would be filled and know the fullness of God. So that's the three part. Now, some of you have already said, there he goes again. He's talking about the Trinity. Can't help it, folks. It happens to be in the Bible. I mean, it's every time you turn around. And that's why I'm pointing these things out to you so that you know it's, it's laced throughout the Bible. So uh, anyway, so just, just be on the lookout for that sort of Trinitarian structure uh, to this thing. It, it, it's kind of backwards. We normally say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Paul's going to pray about the Spirit, the Son, and then uh, the Father, the fullness of God. Uh, but uh, frankly, that doesn't matter. Okay. Shall we start reading? Verse 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's bow together in prayer. Indeed, Father, I pray for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit that we would have the strength and the courage of faith to be bold not only in our witness, but, Father, bold in our obedience, bold in our service, bold in ministering to one another. 
I pray that we would indeed know the, the, the full dimensionality of Christ, that he would be so large in our hearts and large in our thoughts that he alone would dominate everything about us, every action, every word, every deed. Father, I pray that we might indeed experience the fullness of God, that we would be tabernacles of his presence, that in us and through us it would be made known to the world the sovereign, gracious, holy, righteous God whom we serve. Father, I pray that you would make yourself manifest to us and in us and then through us to the world around us. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to finish up chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians uh, this morning. And uh, then there'll be a little bit of a break. Um, next week, the choir will present the Easter message in music, and you want to be here for that. Uh, remember the schedule that we have our early service. That's going to get out early so that we can all gather in the uh, gymnasium for breakfast. Yes, we're serving breakfast. And uh, so you want to be here for that, and then that will be followed by the Sunday school Bible study hour and then uh, the choir presentation. So plan to be a part of that. Uh, that's next week. The week following, of course, we'll celebrate Easter. And then throughout the month of May, Randy will be preaching for us and bringing uh, messages from God's Word. So uh, that uh, will be a delight and a treat. And then sometime in June, then we'll come back uh, to the book of Ephesians. And we'll start in chapter 4, which is okay because um, Ephesians is one of those books that really does uh, lend itself to a dividing, uh, you know, a lot of, of um, presentation of, of, of theological concepts. And the first three chapters, a lot of how that works out in life in the last three chapters. So uh, we're finishing that up uh, today. Finishing up with Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. He's sort of been aiming at this point. He says, for this reason, I bow the knee. Uh, he's already said that once before in, in verse 1 of chapter 3. He said, for this reason. And then he said, oh, but you've got to understand where I'm coming from. But for this reason, because of God's sovereignty, his election, choosing us to be his children... His redeeming us through the Son, Jesus, sending the Holy Spirit to seal us in our salvation. All of this is by grace appropriated through faith, resulting in bringing together people from polar opposites, bringing together Jew and Gentile together, making of us one body, one person uh, in Christ. And so if you understand that, then Paul says, let me pray on the basis of that. For this reason, I bow the knee, and he prays to the Father of all families, uh, he prays to the one who gives the name to every human being on the face of the earth. In other words, the God who is sovereign Lord over all things and all people. And so he says, I'm going to pray, and this is what I'm praying for you. One of the privileges of being a believer in Christ is to pray together and to pray for one another and to know that someone is praying for you. One of the joys and privileges of my job, if you will, is that I get to pray with people at the most sacred times of their lives. I have prayed with them have, as babies have come into the world, and I've prayed with them as babies have gone out of the world. I've prayed with them as there's been an illness that the doctors said hopeless, and we kept praying, and they're still with us today. And, uh, uh, and praise God for that. But I've also prayed with families where we earnestly pleaded before the throne of grace for the health and the recovery of a loved one. And at some point, the Holy Spirit told us now, pray for dignity, pray for peace, pray to enjoy one's family, and pray for the witness of Christ. And then 
at those sacred times, you stand close to a saint and you just feel the glory of heaven. It's been my privilege to pray with people at sacred times of their lives. And there's just something about praying for one another. Now, I'm going to confess to you that um, I am not the best example of praying that you're going to find. In fact, I'm probably you know, way down on the list as far as I can tell. I, I don't pray as often as I ought. Who, who does? Uh, well, you do. I know you do. But, but there's a lot of us, we don't pray as often as, as we ought to pray. We don't pray as fervently. We don't pray with the urgency that, that, that we need. We don't pray with the consistency. We don't pray with the kind of reliability. All those things are about my life. But let me tell you something. While I can't uh, tell you that I'm a great one to be the example of prayer, what I can tell you is the God to whom I pray is the God who answers prayer. And the prayer, the power of prayer really doesn't depend upon the one who prays. It depends only upon the sovereign God who answers prayer. Um, You know, a lot of times we think, well, if only I knew the magic words. You know, if only I knew the right formula, the right trick to pull on God. If only I knew when to pull out the name of Jesus and when to pull out a a little holy talk. Or, you know, if only I knew the right language or the right words. If You know, I could somehow convince God that I'm really worthy of an answer to my prayer. And you're not going to fool God at all. Whether you're eloquent in prayer, and there are some people who are, there's some folks when they pray, they pray you from, from earth to heaven and back down again. We've had folks in the church like that. Or whether you're somebody who just stumbles through prayer and starts repeating yourself over and over again and use the word just, I just wanted this and just wanted, and after 15 just, you remember it, okay. Sometimes you get hung up on a word, you ever do that in prayer? That ever happened to you, Debbie? No. (laughs) Don't ask. (laughs) But it's not a trick. It's not a formula. It's not a matter of just having the right kicker at the end, answered prayer because God delights in answering prayer for us. You do remember that we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray. The book of Romans tells us that, that when we go before God, we, d- we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray for. It's not like, you know, sometimes we think if only I could give God the right answers, he'd give that to We don't even know the right questions. We don't know how to pray as we ought to pray, but, but uh, you know, the glory of it is that the Holy Spirit prays for us, that our little attempt at prayer is taken by the Holy Spirit and translated into something that is pleasing and honoring to God the Father. The Holy Spirit takes our prayers and lays them down at the, at the foot of the throne of grace, and there our prayers are answered. The Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and that the Son, Jesus, intercedes for us in the courts of heaven. And so when we're praying, it's okay if we're amateurs because the A-team is praying for us up in heaven before the throne of the Father. When Jesus was on earth, he taught his disciples how to pray. It was D.L. Moody who pointed out that Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach. He just taught them how to pray. There's a lot to be said 
to just thinking about that. But he told, he told them and he taught them how to pray. He said, when you pray, I want you to pray to your father with an intimacy. I want you to pray for his holiness, that his name would be hallowed. And pray for the holiness of God to be made known. And pray for that reliance upon the sovereignty of God, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, start out your prayer by remembering who God is in his sovereign holiness in an intimate relationship with the Father in heaven. Jesus taught us how to pray. One of the things Jesus did was pray for his disciples. On the last night before he was arrested, just before he went out to the Garden of Gethsemane, and by the way, when you come to Gethsemane, there you hear the, and see the, the height of prayer. There you see the Son of Man praying, Father, you know, I, I, I don't want to go through this. If there's any way that this cup, this, this crucifixion can be taken from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You see, Jesus prayed for the particulars in his life. By the way, don't be afraid to pray for the particulars in your life. Pray for the details in your life. You say, well, I don't know. Maybe that'll make God upset. Maybe I want the wrong things. Look, you're not going to fool God. He already knows what's in your heart. Just pour out honestly and boldly before the Father what is on your heart. And let me tell you something. Sometimes while you're praying and you're praying for something and you realize this is so far away from who God is, I think I'll change this prayer. But pray for the particulars. Pray for the, you know, when you go to a hospital, always pray for healing unless the Holy Spirit leads you. Otherwise... Just pray what's in your heart. But not only that, when Jesus was praying for his disciples, there in John chapter 17, and it's the longest recorded prayer that we have for Christ, there in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples, and he prayed something like this. He saw, said, Father, I want you to hang on to my disciples. Hang on to them. Keep them in your name. And then Jesus said, the name you have given to me. What Jesus prayed for, was that they would be kept in the middle and the center of God's sovereign will in a relationship with Christ. There were a lot of things going to happen in the life of the disciples. A lot of things were coming up. They were going to be persecuted. Some were going to be martyred. They were going to be thrown into prison. They were going to be opposed. They were going to face hardship and difficulties. They were going to uh, face uh, difficult uh, travel routes. There were all kinds of things that were going to come upon the disciples. But at that moment, what Jesus prayed for was the security and the safety of the inner man, of the inner person of his disciples. Because the externals, the circumstances around us, we're so keen to pray, on, uh, pray about them, but understand it is the inner person that lies at the foundation of it all. And whatever happens on the external, it is actually what happens on the internal that really matters. That's why I think when Paul, as he's praying, he says, I'm praying for you. I'm going before the Father and I'm bowing down before him. And I'm praying, first of all, that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you would be strengthened and made bold by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is given to every believer in Jesus Christ. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit of God abides and lives inside of you. Now, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can rebel against the Holy Spirit. You can ignore the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is given to every believer. Paul says, I'm praying that that Holy Spirit will strengthen you in your faith and strengthen you in your life. 
Jesus had told his disciples just before he ascended into heaven, he said, look, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to tarry there. In other words, I want you to wait there until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you will be my witness all over the planet. And that's what happened. They went into the upper room and there on Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the believers in that room and they began to, began to make a manifest the presence of God and the power of the gospel and to preach in languages that everyone could understand the gospel in their own tongue. Peter got up and he preached to Jerusalem that had just gotten through crucifying Jesus. He started to preach to those people with boldness and courage. Paul said, I'm praying that you'll have that kind of boldness, that the Holy Spirit will work in your life that way. You know, pray for others in your life that the Holy Spirit would strengthen them. Aren't you glad that Paul didn't say, I'm praying that you'll summon up enough strength to get high enough in your religious walk that someday God might take notice of you? You say, I'm, I'm praying that you'll get in an exercise program and you develop the skills and get a certificate or maybe get a degree and then God will take notice of you. He said, no, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you straight on, directly and straight on. And so the, the impact of prayer comes because we're praying uh, that the Holy Spirit within the believer would be at work. Paul goes on to say, and I'm praying that you would know Christ. And not only that, that you would know the love of Christ. In fact, you would know the full dimensionality of the love of Christ, that you would know the height and the breadth and the length and the depth. And the... Isn't it interesting he came up with four dimensions, four dimensions of Jesus? I mean, he was doing quantum physics before there was quantum physics. And some of you get that and some of you don't. But the, but the point of it being that you would know the full dimensionality of Christ, that wherever you go, wherever you turn, wherever you're located, there you would understand Christ as sovereign Lord in your life. He said, I'm praying that you would know this love of Jesus, the love of Christ in your heart and in your life. You, hear, you will hear us say things around here such as, a Christian is somebody who met Jesus face to face and fell head over heels in love with him. And Paul says, I'm just praying that you'll see him every day and fall in love with him all over again every day, that that love would be a first love every day, that that love would be exciting and fresh and new every day because Jesus is worthy of that kind of loving response. Paul said, I'm praying that you will know the love of Christ in your life in a very real, strong, powerful way. And then he says, and I'm praying that you will have the fullness of God. You ever think about what that means? Shouldn't, shouldn't really uh, surprise us because at the very end of, of uh, chapter 2, Paul had said this. He said, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You already have a T in that marking Trinity. In Christ, you're being built up by the Spirit as a dwelling place for God. So when you go to work tomorrow and you're in your cubicle and somebody comes by and says, how you doing? Say, I'm doing okay for the temple of God. What's going on in your life today? Well, the God of the universe who created all things, who is sovereign master over every aspect of the universe, that God lives right inside of me. Folks, it's true. They want to look at you like you're nuts. That's their problem. <laughs> but the fullness of God, that you know the, the, the totality of who, who God is, that you would know that God living in you. And so as Paul says to these Philippians, and I know we've gone very quickly through it, but he says, I'm praying that this, this, this whole experience 
would be real in the inner person, the Holy Spirit within you, Christ within you, the fullness of God the Father within you. Paul says, I'm praying for you, and that's the impact of his prayer. Not that uh, he's asking for things that God didn't know we needed, but rather he's asking that God be God in our lives. That's the impact of prayer. You know how breathtaking that is? I mean, do you have any idea how breathtaking it is? I mean, that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lives within you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Already there. You don't have to talk him into it and convince him of it. He's simply there because he's a kind and gracious and merciful God toward us. It says something about how we ought to pray as well. I'm just going to suggest to you that, you know, when, when you're, you, you have somebody and you're praying for them and you say, well, I don't really know what to pray for. Well, here's what you pray. You pray that the Holy Spirit would reside in them and make them strong. You pray that Jesus would be real in their life and let them know that they're loved and that God's grace and mercy is real in their lives. Pray that the fullness of God the Father would be made to them. Uh, made known to them that they would have an absolute sense that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ dwells within them. Pray for them that way. And that's really my challenge for you this week. That is that you would think of one person right now to pray for. Now, it doesn't have to be the hard person to pray for. I'm going to give you a pass on that one today. It could be that person. But I want you to think of somebody to pray for. It might be somebody in your family, your spouse, a child. It might be somebody, a friend, another relative. But I want you to pray for them this week. And as you do, pray for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, for the indwelling of Christ and his love, the indwelling of the Father and his majesty. Just pray for them that way. And see not only how God works in their life, but see how understanding the fullness of who God is in your prayer life transforms you and brings you closer and nearer to the God who makes our prayers meaningful, purposeful, and real. For when we pray that way about the inner man, the fullness of God, that's the impact of prayer. Let's pray together. Father, indeed, we do just ask that your Holy Spirit would make us strong, bold, and courageous in prayer. We do indeed ask that our knowledge of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, would be more and more abundant and clear. Father, that our sense of your nearness and your presence in our lives would be so manifest that it would be unmistakable to those around us. Father, I'm praying that you would be absolutely everything, that you would be all in all, even as we pray. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.